0: Welcome to God's Planning, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic.
1: Welcome back to God's Planning. I am Father Gregory Pine, joined here by Father Patrick Briscoe. Father Patrick, how are things up in Providence?
0: Well, outside of my cell, things look cold. And and dreary, Mm -hmm. which is to say that we are in the midst of another scenic New England winter. Perfect. Uh, It uh, makes me appreciate things like electricity and heat and being inside. Ah, yes. Uh, And there are many things outside which I do not appreciate right now.
1: Mm. Have you had snowfall yet?
0: We have, yes. And right now there's just a light dusting, which is nice. It's scenic for Christmas, you know.
1: Okay. Is it like collected at the edges of the roads and covered in dark things?
0: Um, we're not quite to that state. Uh, ah. That's very exciting. You know when you when you pass from Christmas to New Year's, a lot of times the roads just look like old Christmas decorations. <laughs> they sort of they sort of resemble a haggard holiday. you know, a joyful experience passed, and the, the roads are salty and dirty, and the snow is marred. And in Not that way, they in that way, they look like one of my like a living room after one of my family's Christmas gatherings, mm. <laughs> just used up, ravaged. <laughs>
1: there, there is a sense in which like snowfall and then what comes after a snowfall is like human life. OK, this is going to sound really disastrously bad, uh, like human life, but uh, in the span of a few days. So it begins very promisingly, like regardless of whether you go to work or you go to school or you teach school or do whatever, when snow starts falling everyone begins thinking immediately of a completely and wildly unstructured day off. And they're like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I know how this is beginning and I hope how it ends. And then sometimes go.
0: We can taste the freedom.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. And you're like, I am some crazy people, you know, will think like I'm going to get so much done tomorrow. And some less (laughs) crazy people are like, I'm going to do so nothing tomorrow. Um, And then sometimes it really starts coming down and you have those contemplative moments where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I live next Mm -hmm. to a highway, but there's no one on my highway. Maybe Jesus is Lord. It's hard to say. It is. He is Lord. Okay. Spoiler alert. Um, And then the next day you're like, wow, wildly unstructured time. This is incredible. And then like within a day, everything is completely back to normal and all the snow is dirty and you're back to the desolation of your existence. (laughs)
0: No, I mean, that's right. That's right. A snow day is for many people, just like our experience of the Christmas and new year holidays. Like Mm -hmm. it passes, you get a couple warm moments and then you move through it and you wonder what was that for? Yeah. Uh, Can I, can I be different than I was before? What, What did all, what did all of that mean for me?
1: Yeah. No, I think about, I think about that, especially with respect to Christmas. Like a lot of people, I think they like if you were to drill down and really get to the heart of what they love, I think a lot of people love Christmas Eve more than they like Christmas. Because Christmas Eve bears so much promise, uh, there's so much expectation, and there's a kind of delight or joy in awaiting. And then when it comes, it's like the you know positive psychologists talk about the arrival fallacy. You think you know when X happens or when Y happens or when Z happens, then I'll be happy. And when Christmas rolls around, you you come to discover that you're still in the body and that you're still in a veil of tears. Um, but. It is, it is not for this purpose that we have come, namely to lament our present <laughs> and abominable state, but rather to speak of good things, not happier things in the kind of self-deceived and Pollyanna-like way, but to address the good things that are on offer before our very eyes. So, uh, Father Patrick, today we, we say we're going to talk about New Year's and New Year's resolutions. So New Year's resolutions, what, what's the big idea? Why do people do it? What's good about it? What are we looking for?
0: Well, if we're gonna talk about anything as Christians, I think we we have to emphasize the reality that Christ does promise things can be different. Mm. When you look at Christianity and you affirm that you believe that God is revealing himself to the world, that since the first moments of time, as the scriptures relate to us, God has been inviting human beings to be in a, in a loving relationship with him, you have to believe in the possibility of responding to that invitation in an ever more dynamic way.
1: Yeah.
0: it doesn't mean, of course, that it doesn't mean, of course, that everything is always going to be better. I'm not positing Candide that every everything is wonderful because uh, God is doing it. We, we don't we don't want to we don't want to fall into Vol- Voltaire's trap, but we we do want to say that all of these opportunities that we're going to see in 2020 are gifts from god and they're they're truly invitations not in a cheap way but moments calling us to respond to him
1: yeah i think i think about this too because in the tradition of ancient philosophy there's a bit of skepticism when it comes to human improvability to make up a word i suppose um you know you look at some of the philosophers and like yeah you can you can grow in certain habits or you can address certain behaviors but by the time you're, I don't know, 30, 35, 40, you're basically who you are. Your hand's been dealt. There's no more shuffling of the deck. And what you have to look forward to for the rest of your life is just playing that hand. And you can play it well. You can play it with a certain nobility. You can play it with a certain ease or detachment. But you, it's just it's just that hand. But with the Christian revelation comes this, um, I don't know, like, I don't know what you would call it exactly, but it's like a bull from the blue in the sense that we now have greater hopes that we can be different. And that's not like uh, a massive self-deception. It's the recognition that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing something. He's doing something in our midst. And it's not like he's affording us an escape from our present reality, but he's affording us the opportunity to consent to it and to enter into it with a greater zeal, with a greater love, with a greater desire in such a way that it can actually be like transformed from within. So when people set about to make new year's resolutions, I mean, sometimes they do it in a spirit of self, self-deception. But to, to approach it with a truly Christian spirit is to say that I believe that the grace of God at work in my life can make things better. That doesn't mean to say, like, um, easier, more comfortable, but it does mean better, more grace-bearing, and more delightful. Right. Um, right.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think the first way to make that possible is not to neglect, but just right out of the gate to embrace suffering. People do all kinds of things in their lives to avoid it, right? You find a, a new method of time management, or you find a special diet and exercise program. All of these things are promises of perfection, right? Uh, modern, modern, pe- modern people love to avoid suffering, and this has been often commented on. I realize that I'm not saying anything particularly new here, but it's worth thinking about as we approach the new year. And think, well, what am, what am I actually trying, what what changes am I actually trying to see in my life? Like, just because you have a device uh, sponsored by Amazon that talks to you in your house, it doesn't mean that you're any closer to God. In fact, it's possible that that thing makes you, makes you, draws you further away from God. So the, the question is, you know, are all of the things in our lives really offering us the kind of ease and escape from inconvenience and suffering that they promise, or or are we embracing them, using them, uh, applying them for deeper meanings and purposes as we dare to step forward for any kind of path of uh, self-improvement? Um, I think that's the starting point, right? To say, yeah. I can't eliminate suffering. Um, I believe that it has purpose and meaning when I join it to the suffering of Jesus on the cross. And then to say, well, well what does God want me to make of the the data, the, the reality, the starting place in my life as it is in 2020? I think that's yeah. where we begin. And if you don't begin there, then then you're then, then you've 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 already entered into the delusion, right? Like you've 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 missed the you've missed the premise.
1: Yeah, and I think uh like basically in what you described, there's a kind of philosophy of life in the sense that I think sometimes people think of life as something that they do, which is true enough, right? But also life is something that's done to us, not in the sense of like you're a victim, you're a doormat, and you just get rolled over by life. I'm not saying that. Uh, but I am saying that life is a lot of those things that that come to us as if unbidden, things that surprise us. And often it's those experiences which prove most fruitful, most formative, ultimately most delightful. Um, so we don't want to like approach New Year's resolutions as a way to schedule spontaneity out of our lives or to schedule surprise out of our lives, but rather we want to be more receptive and more pliable and more responsive when those things come, because what ultimately do we value in life? We value the Lord Jesus and we value the people whom He has placed before us, and we set about our grand plans of self-improvement or magnanimous achievement, all with an eye towards the people, all with an eye towards the Lord Jesus and those whom He has set you know before us and around us. because I mean, if not for them, then none of this really matters, then we're just we're just crazy um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> if i had to you know if i had to dial it down and say like okay now you know we've we've done some big picture ground clearing which is my favorite part of any kind of yes, talk or even of this yes. podcast to make just wild huge world claims and throw them at the wall and see which yes. little bits of ones more uh, and you're you're saying well okay, okay father you've said a lot of words but what what the heck do i do for mm. a resolution um, and i think there are th- i think there are three that are key for most people most people, where 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 they are, where they are in their journey with Jesus right now, um, I think that I think that there are three. That there are three that they can focus on, and we can say that we have to be attentive to our spiritual life. What are we saying to God? How are we saying it? When are we saying it? We have to be attentive to money. How do we spend it? What are we spending it on? What is it for? Are we trying to amass it? And we have to be attentive to our families. Is there someone I'm not talking to? Is there someone who needs a particular help in my life right now? Is there is there someone? Is there is there a family member who I know that I need to invite to come back to church? Uh, so I, I think in those I think in those three I think in those three categories. If if you start there, my spiritual life. How am I doing with God? If you look at money, what am I spending it on? How much am i spending how much do i think about it and if i look at my relationship with my family you've got you've got most people will find a lot of work to do there
1: (laughs) well let's take them one by one um let's uh let's talk about the lord and then let's talk about money let's talk about a family so with respect to our relationship with jesus christ which gives order uh which gives purpose to all the other pursuits I think sometimes people approach that and they think, um, I need to do more things or I need to amass certain devotions or I need to add to my current spiritual practice. Now, if you're presently doing nothing, uh, apart from listening to God's playing, stop listening to God's playing and start praying for 30 minutes a day. Um, <laughs> so if you're, if you're presently doing nothing, then adding is certainly a good plan. But if you're presently doing something, I think that you start with a something. So, concretely okay let's say that you are devoting 20 minutes in the day to prayer a kind of meditative prayer of a certain sort okay let's say let's say that you begin by examining how that time is going and now mind you we can't really know too terribly well how our time in prayer is going and it can be a little strange to kind of take our own spiritual temperature and get overly intimate with our own psychological states because like for the most part what we're doing in the spiritual life is we're just showing up and then God does stuff and we're like, wow, cool. God did stuff. Um, so so this isn't just...
0: Amen. <laughs> the number it- one problem in the spiritual life is people trying too hard and not letting Jesus do enough of that trying.
1: Mm-hmm. Like Cheers. This. So well, I think a good way to approach those 20 minutes is to think about how to permit the Lord to do his work. So let's say that you have 20 minutes in prayer and you have one book of devotions and you have, let's say maybe 12 devotions that you pray each morning, a litany of Loretto, a litany of St. Joseph. You pray nine memoraries. You pray a couple of different prayers for particular people. And then by the end of that time you set your book aside and that's prayer for the day. Now, those are good things. Okay. But I think it's also good to keep this, um, very, very significant fact before our eyes in the spiritual life, namely that, that Jesus is the savior of our souls and that Jesus wants to speak to us, and that prayer is about raising our minds and hearts to God so that he can speak to us. So maybe a good New Year's resolution would be to introduce five minutes of silence into your daily regimen of prayer. Something, something small like that. So you're not adding time, because sometimes the thought of adding time is terrifying. Uh, you're not adding time, but you're trying to respond in the time that you have to the Lord's call in a way that's more generous, that's more contemplative maybe, that's more receptive to what the work that he might be about and and you may be surprised to discover that he speaks i don't know exactly what that sounds like or how to describe how it sounds but i know that sometimes you'll find that you're doing things in your life and you can't account for the fact that you're doing those things except that the lord jesus has to have been in charge Um, and i think that's that's probably what we mean by speaking so at this point uh, i think we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back and wrap up thoughts on the lord and then move on to money and family we'll see you soon
0: This is Godsplaining. Get up to date on all our latest episodes at opeast.org slash godsplaining.
1: And welcome back to Godsplaining. So uh, here we are. We're talking about New Year's resolutions and ways to approach your New Year's resolutions that doesn't cause you to abandon them within a week, but rather makes your experience of 2020 <laughs> better, more spiritually fruitful than your experience of 2019. So Father Patrick, you want to get started off with Father Patrick's tips and tricks For New Year's resolutions in your relationship with God?
0: I think the biggest thing that people suffer from is a kind of inconsistency in their relationship with God. Like, that's the one thing, uh, I I appreciate everything that you were saying about basically overthinking how a prayer experience went and trying to assess whether or not it went well or not. Uh, Basically, because every kind of human criteria that we're going to apply to that process is dramatically flawed. purports more to ourselves and our own desires than it does to the graces of the kingdom. So, uh, in, in that same spirit, I would say do it every day do it at the (laughs) same, do it at the same time. Pick the time that you can reasonably be with God and just be with God at that time. Mm. (laughs) That's right. Doesn't that have a nice profundity to it? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but just do every day, right? Whatever it is, and and this is where this is where I agree that the kind of uh, that the the, the, the the particular devotion that the particular devotion, a particular prayer, a particular method of prayer um, is frankly far less important in a person's life than than their uh, than their constancy constancy and um, regular regular practice of it. So. If you're trying to make a New Year's resolution and you think, OK, I'm going to pray six dozen uh, six dozen rosaries every day, that's probably not going to work because, <laughs> because it's not, it's not actionable. Um, so set 15 minutes aside at the same time every day and begin by praying on our Father and think about a verse of scripture from the day, you know, from the prayers of the Mass. I find that to be very fruitful in my own spiritual life, something simple. Uh, because again, I, I agree and want to underscore what you said that Christians believe that God speaks to them. this is This is a very mysterious thing that, that we that, that we talk to God and that God talks to us and that, that He wants to do so. So our job is not so much having that conversation because we're trying to listen to Him, but it's putting things in place such that that conversation can happen right. Um, you' you're You're just clearing away obstacles on your part so that god can speak to you Mm. um so that that would be that would be how i would encourage people to approach um whatever it is that they're working on in their spiritual life in the new year
1: dig so maybe one one last thought about relationship with god i would say this um that i sus i suspect that many of us are in the habit of multitasking like you're probably listening to this podcast while driving to work um but i think that that 2020 as a spiritual exercise, could be a time of of unitasking. I don't know if that's a word, um, <clears throat> but I think that the way in which uh, digital media has made it so that you can always be hyperproductive has unforeseen spiritual consequences that we're only beginning to appreciate. And I think that this is another way of of doing less as a way of doing more is to dial back some of the saturation so that we can reacquire the ability to be with the lord to be recollected so if you're folding your laundry just just fold your laundry okay if you're running errands just run errands if you are walking to the metro i'd say just just walk to the metro and what i think um, we can we can cultivate is this like a kind of spirit of being willing to encounter those whom we meet and that might be the people that walk up okay so if you have earbuds in you're not going to have a fruitful conversation on you know, like on the way to the Metro with anyone. But if you don't have earbuds in the chances of you having a decent conversation while still completely minimal, uh, are better. So too when traveling through an airport, so too, you know, you just play out the different circumstances. But I think that our chances of having a fruitful encounter with other people is reflective of our chances of having a fruitful encounter with the Lord. So I think that when we're constantly tuned in, we're less likely to hear him as he prompts, or we're just less likely to be comfortable in his presence and comfortable uh, being recollected, so I'd say this is this is one of my New Year's resolutions. Here is twenty twenty is going to it's going to be a year or year, please God, of unitasking. Um, so to cultivate the spirit of prayer, so that when the twenty minutes or the fifteen minutes comes in the morning, it isn't a a great feat of strength for us to set that time aside and to clear our minds of distractions and of the music that we've been listening to and of the sports news that we've been keeping abreast of, but rather we can just enter into that time because we've never really left the spirit that informs that time. Okay. You projected for us a series of three things with which we should interact fruitfully in 2020. The first is the Lord. We've said a word about that. The second is money. What are your thoughts about how best to use money, to amass money, to spend money? What are things that, that we could do better in 2020?
0: Dollar, dollar bill, baby. <laughs> what it. to say about money? Uh, well, my my point here is to realize that Money is actually what drives a lot of the reasons why we do something. Can I okay. do that? Well, well, it costs too much. Can uh, it, can I go to can I go to that restaurant? Oh yeah, that that doesn't cost anything. Can I uh, can can I buy this new outfit? Can I uh, can I take this time and spend you know a couple extra hours of work to get however much money of overtime? I mean, m- money just drives so much decision making for people and i think it's it's important to put money in its place you know to tell it to go sit and time out for a little bit and to make decisions regardless of um i mean not totally regardless <laughs> i realize i realize not not everyone can be a mendicant friar um I, I am i am in fact talking to lay people here but to make to make decisions kind of independent of money you know to say well, this is, a priori- this is really a priority in my life for this reason, and I'm willing to pay that cost. You know, uh, I, people, Another example of, of, of what happens when we're driven by money, people will spend hours looking online for the best price of a thing and end up saving like $5, right? Like, you know, this is true. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, 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 but we just spend so much time trying to get like the best deal so that we can have a thing. And, uh, and and what is that? It's just an attachment to money. Uh, People, people, people long for promotions at work so that they can be held in higher esteem. Okay. I guess that's a pride thing, but so that they can have more money. Why? So that they can spend three days a year on a nicer vacation. Uh, I I mean, it just, it just drives like, is, is that worth all of the decisions that have led up to that. That's the question that we need to be asking about our relationship with money.
1: So maybe um, when we make decisions, we're taking account of a handful of different uh, data, right? So we have different criteria. One being like, how does this affect the people? The other being like, how does this affect my relationship with the Lord? And then how does this affect my bank account? And can I project this type of behavior into the future? Is it sustainable? Things like that. So I think that, you know, it's kind of based on what you're describing and you know my own experience of life, it can be easy to accumulate in light of some future time of bounty or financial hardship perhaps or unforeseen expenditure. But one eventually starts getting in the habit of deferring your life to that time. And then you come to discover that you've lost the capacity to enjoy the time and the money. Because you've kind of just entered into a spirit of total work, right? So the only thing that you're absolutely. good at now is just working. So I think a lot of a lot of folks will discover that once it comes time for retirement, they're not really they're not fit for retirement. And other people are listening and they're like, I will absolutely be fit for retirement.
0: <laughs> and and those of us are millennials are thinking, I'm still paying off my college loans.
1: <laughs> um, so I think that there's. There's a kind of danger and I want to, this will sound like a gender stereotype, but I think it's an especially dangerous danger for men. And I actually have this from Edith Stein. I was reading her essays on women and uh, she talks about how a man is more easily prone to the spirit of total work because she thinks like a woman is more sensitive to the heart. And so as a result of which, you know, she gets lost less in picking you in details of like mindless tasks. Whereas a man can get very much consumed by those things, you know, maybe it's a, a desire to do it excellently or maybe it's a desire to show himself good and magnanimous, whatever it might be. But yeah, we can, we can, we can form the habits of mind and heart such that we become workers, just workers and we lose our grasp on what it means to live well, right? To, uh, to be worshipers, to be children of God, to be members of a family and things like that. So maybe, yeah, 2020 would be a good time that our budgeting takes account, not only of financial factors, um, and of making, Greater and greater debits as opposed to credits, you know, to staying more and more in the black, but rather takes account of the human factor so that we build a life that when it comes time to retire. We'll we'll be able to like actually recognize what we've become rather than come to discover that we've lost the ability to live a life that's, you know, that's, that's, that's delightful. Um, right, so we are coming to the end here, but we have one final theme to describe so uh, in, in 2020, evaluating our relationships with the Lord, with money, and with our families. So what are big things big things on the horizon for families in 2020? How do we love our family well?
0: One friar was telling me about a Christmas card he received um, from, from a person he was very close to, and the first half of the Christmas card was an elaborate apology for not having been in touch, and it incorporated several um, just really painful self-deprecating jokes. And uh, what it brought to the fore as he was kind of relaying this situation to me, what it brought to the fore in my mind was the fact that love needs no apology. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you're distant from someone, the best way to start out in renewing that relationship is not to say, gosh, you know, I'm so sorry, I've been away, it's been blah, 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 blah. Just, Just start, just start yeah just reach out you know i i think that's a a lot of the reason why people allow relationships especially family relationships um to begin to fray in their lives is because they think okay i need to make the perfect apology and explain where i'm coming from and be able to contextualize all the reasons in my life why this relationship suffered um so as to try and make the other person feel like they matter well that can be accomplished just by beginning to reach out and it doesn't even have to be said that this is part of a New Year's resolution. Hey, I've been thinking about you a lot over Christmas and I'd like to be in touch. When can we talk? Take something by their home. Um, do a task, if you're if you're talking about an older family member or friend, do a task that that person struggles with um, that you know that they need, done. Um, clear some aspect of their snow covered New England home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so as to allow them some support, uh, some uh, some respite from the harsh uh, harsh winter. Uh, so I, I think that that's I think that's really important to to recognize relationships that have been neglected and uh, and are distant and just to reinitiate them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was talking so I was talking to a friend who's of the mind that basically friendships last, or they're not real friendships. You can't just be friends for a period of time. Uh, And this particular person was describing how, you know, like the currency of friendship is secrets. You know, you share your heart with your friend and you don't feel embarrassed to do that because that friend is another self. And so that secret hasn't really left you. But if that person departs and if they seize contact with you, then you feel almost embarrassed for having trusted them or you feel silly uh, that you were a bad judge of character. And then this thing which you thought mattered didn't didn't in fact matter to both parties. And mm-hmm. so you've been duped, you know, you're naive, you're, you're childish. And I think with family, this logic of friendship obtains in an even more profound fashion, you know, the, the kinship is closer and thicker. And so you can't get away from your family. I mean, there are certain circumstances in which certain re- relationships shouldn't be rekindled on account of the fact that they're either you know, not healthy and et cetera. You know how that goes. Um, yes,
0: absolutely. Affirming all of those things.
1: Yeah. But, but there's a sense in which to be, yeah, to be apart from family, for reasons of embarrassment, you know, it's, it it just can't be permitted to endure. And, uh, I think like a lot of us have the experience where you, you, you go to call a family member, perhaps, or a friend and you pick up the phone and you realize that you're picking up the phone to ask them a favor. And then you subsequently realize that the last time you called them was to ask them for a favor. And then you're embarrassed that you just are using and manipulating this individual. And so you just don't do it at all. Just ask him, just ask him for the favor. Okay. And then the next time you call him, ask him for something else than a favor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, That's
0: but, right. That's right. I and I say like so. Why did I say relationship with the Lord? Well, because I'm a priest. Why did I say relationship with money? Because I have plenty of complaints about modern society and it's slavery to mammon, which the gospels clearly condemn. And why did why did I say relationship with the family? Well, because I think that um, more than ever, families are are divided in the United States. And and I don't mean. The just uh, ideological and political divisions, even those things, even though those things can tend to be true. I mean, people just live in different places. Mm-hmm. People people move now. Um, they, they live all over the country. My uncle Jim and my great uncle Jim, my great uncle, my great aunt Jean, Jim and Jean um, celebrated 75 years of marriage this spring. Wow. They have... Um, to use the technical phrase buckets of kids and grandkids <laughs> and great 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 grandkids um so the, the thing that's most remarkable though is that there's not the day in their life when someone isn't passing through their home people are just always coming i mean admittedly there are tons of people <laughs> <laughs> not not everyone wants that for their family or, or can't, can't appreciate that experience and i get that but the point is that the point is that they're connected and that there's a kind of constant familial conversation going on, and I just think that is so beautiful, um, and that there are ways that that can be incorporated um, in our modern life. You know, re- reply to the stupid joke that you didn't appreciate in your family group chat. Um, face bother to FaceTime, um, spend some time FaceTiming someone. I, you know, so there there are ways where there are ways that we can really uh, pursue um, proximity um, in, in the modern world, but that we just don't. Yeah. And and that allows our families to, to fracture and, and be separated. So uh, that's why I said spiritual life, mammon, and family for 2020.
1: Dig. Well, I think those are three very helpful ways to formulate our resolutions. And, you know, we, we give ourselves the first week of the new year to formulate the resolutions. So don't think that if it's the second or the third or the fourth and you haven't been about the work that it's somehow forfeit. You, you, you got time. So let it... uh. Um, let it marinate and then permit the Lord to convict you of those things which need addressing and ask him for his grace to carry them out because we are uh, an infinite source of self-deception and a great, <laughs> a great capacity for human weakness. So if it's to come off well, it's, it's by the Lord's grace. So we leave you with that as uh, as our hope and prayer for you in 2020. Thanks so much for joining us on God's Plenty. Be sure to like and share with your friends and shoot this to uh, someone whom you think might benefit from the conversation. we we'll look forward to chatting with you next time. All right. Until then, God bless. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the province of St. Joseph. Visit us at opeast.org.